Hey folks, it's Blamo. I'm Jeremy Kirkland. Back from New York. I am. And lots and lots to download here. Jeez Louise. I promise I'll save it for a solo pod. But uh, the trip was great. Lots of meetings. Lincoln build. Whatever crap you want to use to fill in the blanks. It, it's kind of perfect because I go up there just long enough to get annoyed that I'm there again. You know, and poof. I'm back home coloring Elsa from Frozen with my daughter. I mean, it's just... <laughs> it's magic. Uh, but enough about that. This week, I'm joined by Blake Malin and Zach Weiss of Worn and Wound. And look, if you're new to the pod, we always try to keep these as a conversation. We don't really do interviews. That's not a cop-out. It's just, you know, it's kind of where we go. And, and we went down an avenue that I did not expect. It was a little bit more of a mental health check and what it means to be into things that may make folks assume other things. Uh, look, I'm being a little bit cryptic on purpose. But we dive into the concept of online persona uh, of, of the watch fan and uh, how to be content, all while kind of interweaving our own stories and experiences through it. So look, if you're not even a watch person or you're a something person, well, all of us, we're, we're into something that maybe we're a little bit shy to uh, communicate about, or maybe we're a little bit too obnoxious about how much we love it. But we go all over there. <laughs> it, it's great. We discuss the persona of watch fans, the pop-up flea, why it's okay to like an Apple Watch, why my moon swatches are trash, and debate whether or not it's easy to get into watches now. Let's go. Watches. Well, apologies on behalf of uh, the watch community. The whole point of this show is we can have deeper conversations about things that are silly and artificial and also rec- and, and recognize that those things aren't the things that fulfill us. What unites us in clothes is the fact that we want to be accepted for who we are and for our taste. It's the same thing with watches. It's, you know, it's not about, I mean, to be honest, Warner Wound does a really good job of this, where it's not about how much the watch you have is worth or even the provenance and the story but it's just you liking it and you being fine with it is enough mm-hmm. you know like the, the whole I don't know if it was you Zach or someone had done like a watches and like mental health thing it might have even been on like Twitter or something where it was just like breaking down like these like what's stop you know assuming that if someone has a watch that's this that they are this type of person or someone that's that has that a watch interesting yeah. yeah I mean it was it was it was nice you know I mean it, it was like just almost like a tweet thread or something um, because I think that there's certain stigmas attached attached just like in clothes if you have a nice watch you do this or you vote this way or you you own this i mean cars are the same thing there's you know fill in any item that might be difficult to get or any luxury piece where someone's gonna i mean again music uh, a person who listens to x band oh you must like a b c d and e just so we can all kind of like size up who that person is and find out whether or not you know we should be friends with them i think it's Mm. you know all these little silly material things again at the end of the day they're just it's just stuff it doesn't just because you know Zach likes death metal punk rock doesn't mean that you know he's a anarchist or whatever no, some sort of I'm 1980s please yeah yeah satanist yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um so I don't know it's it's uh it's silly and uh here we are I think on that point about like you know watches kind of symbolizing or sort of people think that it kind of says who you are I think like just with Warner Wound sort of 
when we started, it really was kind of like we were championing these sort of more affordable watches and yeah. we still do, but we've obviously expanded our price point. And like, I think as time has gone on, like on a personal level, the thing I think I feel most self-conscious about is that like my tastes and my ability to acquire watches has gone beyond that sort of very affordable range. And like, you know, when you own a watch that costs a few thousand dollars, especially coming from that place, you know, like I just, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I feel like a chump. Like I feel like a bit of a sellout and a bit of a like bougie jerk. You know what I mean? And I think, and I don't think that's right, but that's something that I've sort of like struggled with for a long time as, as you know, Zach and I have just progressed in our careers and, you know, you're able to afford slightly nicer things. It's like, I, at times do feel a little self-conscious, like I'm abandoning that ethos. Um, even though I know very well that the company is not, um, but it's definitely something I feel very self-conscious about. Um, and I think part of that is that watches are so obviously this luxury item. Um, Whereas I think a lot of other folks who might be into like collecting records, like you could amass a $20,000 record collection, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that, but someone might not necessarily see that and perceive it as like, um, perceive it as this, like, you know, oh, you've got, you know, all this money or you have all these means to acquire these luxury items. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It's just something that I end up, I I find that over the years, I've sort of felt very self-conscious about, I don't know, Zach, you feel the same way, but um, it's certainly something I think about. Certainly. Especially since, like, like it kind of tends to happen in leaps, not, um, you know, it's like not like a $500 per watch increase over, like, the course right, of like, right. 20 yeah. years. It's like, yeah, I went from spending six grand to, like, 16 <laughs> on something. But, you know, hey, I don't have kids and uh, I don't have many expenses and I can spend my money stupidly if I wish to. <laughs> so Well, but uh, hold on. Let's, let's unpack that for one second. Because <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think... have other responsibilities. I can be irresponsible is how I like to inspire that stuff. But, but even then I would push back on like what what is responsible, I'm air quoting that word, mm. and what is affordable and watches. You think about like food, right? And I know it's different, but when you think of, um, cause I, sometimes I'll be like, oh man, like I'm broke or I'm not rich or I, or I want to have this or like there, there's always someone who has more. And in many cases, there's always someone who has less to where like, I was like, oh, I think I'm like coffee rich in the sense that like I can, I can go out and if I didn't plan on buying a coffee, that doesn't matter. I can still go buy the coffee and the coffee can cost whatever the coffee costs and I can get it. And like, that's, that's a level of like wealth and affluence that I probably like take for granted. But some folks might be like, oh, that's super irresponsible because you should make your own coffee. And then if you if you don't, um, you know, if you make your own coffee and you're not spending whatever at Starbucks or some sort of bullshit like Warren Buffett line where he like, oh, because yeah, he's drinking the Republican drinks avocado <laughs> toast thing. It's yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, oh, and then that allows you to do this and that allows you to do this. But I think the biggest thing is like, instead of like making ex- excuses for uh, whether or not you... Uh, um, live irresponsibly to quote mm. you to quote me where it's, <laughs> it's no no <laughs> manifestation well, to, to, of my guilt for having something is well, that i'm i'm balancing it as this would be irresponsible for other people but I, yeah i see what you're saying. but i think like at the end of the day like yeah. it doesn't unless you're saying like hey please criticize how i live and how i spend based on all these like it just shouldn't fucking matter like it mm-hmm. at the end of the day it yeah. shouldn't matter like people should be judged on how you treat others and how you behave in your you know in in your life so like and that's i think that's a tough thing where sometimes when judgment becomes really quick and it becomes easier to do that and that's now everyone's defense mechanism it doesn't become like well wait sure i've done dumb things i've 
said stupid things online. I've done, you know, I'm, I'm very, uh, I admit that, but like at the same time, it doesn't mean that that who that person is. And I don't say like, Oh, boo hoo. Woe is me. But it's just like, where everything is so quick. Even people like Ben Clymer of Hedinky, like I, I, my heart breaks for the amount of bizarro stuff that people come after him because he's driving a car right now or golfing or whatever that is, where it's like, Oh, he should be doing this or Mm -hmm. like, like that, that person owes you. And I think the biggest thing is it's also a very common thing amongst people who start at a specific level. And so, you know, say like Warren and Wound or Hodinkee or any watch site, a lot of the community that is attached to the early stages of fill in the blank company when that company grows if that if the community doesn't grow at the identical you know socioeconomic state as everyone else there is a there's a frustration all of a sudden mm-hmm. you know like any menswear community where all of a sudden a guy starts wearing bespoke and he's wearing some other thing people are like well you you probably suck or you're you're probably you know it's it's there's something in there and i think at the end of the day it's people are there's an envy there's a and what ends up happening is it messes with that person's head and like people just can't live their life. Like if you want, Zach, if you want to buy a $30,000 watch and you have the money and you want to do the watch, buy the $30,000 watch. Who cares? Oh yeah, um, no, I will. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not hard for me to do it. <laughs> just, but, but, you know, yeah, just to Blake's point, I might not flaunt it quite yet, but maybe I just, maybe I just should just own up to the new me. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. That's okay. I, I just kind of also, yeah. you know, and someone's going to be like, oh, Jeremy, you totally got all these things wrong. But like, why can't we champion people who we think are doing a good job? and be happy when yeah. people are doing well. Um, and I think it's just with the wealth gap growing so big, anyone who's different, you know, because I'll be like, man, that person's so rich and they have this and this. And it's like, well, I can get a coffee anytime I want. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's still wealth. Like I, you know, I'm not getting bombed. I have plenty of clothes. I have fast internet. And I mean, I don't <laughs> know. And you fill, fill in the blank of, of shit. I that like that. I yeah. like that not getting bombed and having fast internet. I know it's <laughs> same, so, so same stupid. place on the pyramid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, but I think that like, you know, from personal experience, you know, my upbringing and my background, like I, my family had no money and, you know, kind of like there was no excess wealth at, for me growing up or within my family. And like, I definitely had a ton of resentment for people with money growing up. And it's not right. You know, I'm, I'm the first to acknowledge that that was really childish and petty. But like, that's just honestly how I felt. Mm-hmm. And I think an interesting experience as I get older, and also just the folks that I grew up with, like, I, I can't, like, I don't know, I'm not really connected. Where'd you grow up? I grew up with. Uh, in New Jersey, like a small okay. town in New Jersey. But like, the experience of, for example, like working with Zach and our business partner, James, and like some people in my family who have like, you know, started to achieve at a higher level and sort of make some money like it's the first time that i've seen people sort of start to get to a higher level of of income and i'm like proud for them and i'm excited for them like at no Mm -hmm. point if zach walks in with like a cool watch am i like oh zach you jerk you know like i'm just like oh that's so cool that just wait until next week yeah (laughs) yeah Fair enough. But you know what I mean? Like, it's been a different experience. I don't know. I think that I've sort of, maybe that's a maturation. I don't know what it is, but like, um, I don't know. And I think that my concern about it, like, I realized that I said I feel like a bit of a sellout, but it's almost not even to the people outside of my life. It's more just to the people in my life and to myself. Like, mm. you know, like buying, you know, like early this summer, I bought uh, a Batman and like, I bought it at retail, but it's still a significant amount of money. And yeah. the process of doing that felt absurd and like not something that I've, I've, I've gotten used to. You know what I mean? 
mean, I mean, I'm proud of myself for being able to achieve that, but it's still, there's something that's still on a personal level feels somewhat uncomfortable about it. Um, and I don't think it's right for people to judge people for that stuff, but I can't, I can't quite shake it myself. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Well, I mean, it's, it's like a natural defense thing that I was saying, like, it's, it's very quick for me or anyone else to say, oh, this person has this watch. They may be this person. Mm. They may be this kind of person. Like, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, some, some Freudian thing where it's like, okay, you went to, you went to this school, you must behave this way. You went to this, you know, it's like how all of us try to size each other up. And it's definitely really unfortunate of just stereotypes in general. But I think like, that's, that's the tough part. And I've talked about this on the pod before where, especially because like I grew up in a similar background to where anything nice I ever got because of the background that I had socioeconomically, I felt like I had to know everything about it to justify my ownership of it, right? Mm. Like I had to be like, well, sure, it's okay that I have this this Rolex or this watch, but I have it because I'm I'm actually like a really big fan and and I, I know all this stuff about it. Like I can tell you the reference number and where did it, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, well, why why do I need to have all that knowledge to just exist and own something? And I I mean that's that's a, more of a conversation for my therapist, which I'll put you through. But. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a group therapy session now, but you know, but yeah, yeah I, 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 mean, I totally get what Blake is saying too. And I think it's, yeah, I think it is, you know, uh, because it wasn't, this wasn't like a quick thing for us either to get to a point where we can buy these watches. Like it's been a decade of at times kind of excruciating work and at times kind of like tough times, you know, like mm-hmm. I can remember also being saddled in debt and selling off basically my entire collection, not that long ago. So it's a little bit right. like to that, who that guy was, <laughs> you know, like it just feels like, am I, it's a little bit of like, is this, it's me questioning myself too. I'm like, am I making the smart decision knowing what that is like too? Because I've been there not that long ago. You know, well, this is good therapy. Yeah. I just, I think I just had a breakthrough. <laughs> yeah. See, you know, there like, you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think that that's the funniest thing is like, and I don't know, no one needs therapy more than adults and especially adults that end up finding their way with various items of value. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it's, it's just a, a natural thing but it, in a way like that's kind of my favorite thing about watches and also things like like to be honest with like worn and wound where it's not so much about own this so you are this type of person mm. you know and i mean i think a lot of like watch sites have kind of backed down from it but from traditional luxury journalism like you mm. know to kind of air quote that word mm. so much of it is selling it to you because now your life is complete you know and mm. even like watch companies where it's like you need this so you're not a good dad unless you own a Patek Philippe to give to your son. Like, why the fuck is that like such a mindset? Even myself, like I've been brainwashed by it. It's like, why do I need to have this thing? And like, oh, I can justify my ownership because I'm going to give it to my son. Like, Mm -hmm. there's not really... Yeah, it doesn't matter if I'm a shitty dad or whatever, you know, like I'm just, yeah. Well, I, I don't think, know. <laughs> you know, that whole sort of creation myth of the watch collector of like, well, first of all, it assumes that you're a man on some respect because it's always like a grandfather or a dad passing yes. off to their son. But yeah. also like as somebody who didn't have a dad or like a grandfather that he had a relationship with, like I never got a watch. So am I not allowed to be like an authentic <laughs> watch person? Like, what's that about? You know what I mean? Like, it just feels very gatekeepy in this sort of like creepy kind of elitist way. Um, yeah. And that, that never felt comfortable. I think just either Zach or me, right? I mean, yeah, for sure. <laughs> was that like, I mean, maybe this, you don't have to reveal this if you don't want to, but like when you guys were making Warner Wound, did you have like, hey, here are our core principles? Like, we're, we're never going to be this, or we're all, you know, or was it just like it just happened more naturally? I- 
I mean, it happened naturally initially because it was very much mm-hmm. a response to like where we were in our lives, you know, which was that the, the extra money we had to spend on watches was in the realm of a hundred bucks, 200 bucks here and there. You know, it wasn't, there just wasn't thousands of dollars or anything like that at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was very practical because it was very, you know, it was for, it was for us. <laughs> we wrote it for us, you know, right, so right. we were our, our, our own best customers initially. But then like, as we sort of, I think, expanded and sort of mined what, um, what was out there and what we were doing and what it meant to people and sort of what the niche was that we had sort of fallen into. We, I think we set up some, we did sort of set up some principles for ourselves. You know, we didn't necessarily announce them out, but there were sort of, you know, maybe there was price caps or like mm. certain styles of things we were in talking about. And, you know, I would say in retrospect, like I understand why we did that, but like it, it, it isn't ever helpful to set up restrictions like that. You know, mm-hmm. I think for uh, my recommendation to a small business, like, you know, be flexible <laughs> kind of a thing. Like, I think we might've been a little bit stubborn initially which wasn't mm-hmm. helpful and you know 10 years later there's still relationships we are working on that we probably should have had by now kind of a thing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think early on also like none of it was formal um but i feel like early on you know zach and i and then james when he joined on with us like we were very much on the same page about like we're not really interested in celebrity endorsements you know especially when our bandwidth was really low for the types of for how much content we could create i feel like for a long time we're just like we will not write press release posts like we're either writing a thoughtful piece about something or a hands-on review or it's not getting written about which again sort of to your point zach about like maturing and sort of developing like we had this you know back in the day we had this very anti like press release post perspective which now obviously we embrace as like that's yeah, news that people site again that was great yeah. <laughs> no, it was like, we literally were like, we will not write a regurgitation yeah. of a press release, which is not to say at all what we're doing. That's what we're doing now. But like, there's, we understand now that people come to us for news. So when we get a re- release about a new watch, we want to write about it. But yeah, no, we had certain sort of like core principles of like, that felt very anti, to your point, like traditional yeah. luxury journalism. Yeah. It was also at the time, I mean, it was like, it was like looking at what magazines did or, you know, the print, print world. And it was, it was definitely a little bit different than, I mean, the landscape was wildly different then than it is now. So just like the style of how people were writing about uh, watches has changed so much, you know, it's it's that old style is probably even going to come back because <laughs> just like the cycle of all these these things. But yeah, there was definitely now that you, you mentioned the press release thing, there was a little bit of like a copy and paste sort of mentality at um some of the like more traditional outlets that were sort of figuring out what this internet was about. And we were like, well, that's not us. You know, we're like, Mm -hmm. it has to be editorialized. It has to be thoughtful or it has to be something else, you know? Yeah. I mean, I know sites like Selectism, uh, which is not a site anymore. So I don't mind saying it like that was usually the biggest criticism they would get is because a lot of the, I mean, this wasn't watches. This was clothes. It was just literally, you know, Hypebeast still does this to where it's just a press release regurgitation. And I think it's also where it feels like, like, and maybe you guys would feel the same way, but it feels like at that time, sites were, it was all about how many visitors you had mm-hmm. and you were able to get more visitors by just having more stuff. And so people would just post whatever. Like I remember like I was working for a company and we were like, hey, let's see if we can get one of our things in Hypebeast. And so we just wrote a press release and we purposely put typos in it mm-hmm. to see if they were just going to copy it. And they did. Yeah. And But it was like, oh, it's because you, you're just taking whatever it is and you're just throwing it on there. Like you just, okay, let's copy this. Let's put it on there. Because in some cases, the only way you were going to survive is if you had, you know, a million visitors or whatever that week. And I, but I feel like now because there's so many different outlets and there's so many different ways to connect and engage with brands, media, it doesn't really matter how many posts go up a day. No, is, or do you disagree? I think it's a balance. 
I think volume certainly helps, especially when there's sort of quality things to go into that pipeline. Right. But yeah, I mean, we definitely, I mean, almost by nature of the fact that from the very beginning of Warner Wound, we had we understood very quickly that like what we wanted to write about was not going to be the thing that got a ton of eyeballs. Like when Warner Wound didn't even mention the word Rolex for the first five years, like you're not getting any of that SEO. You're not getting any of those clicks or that, that search oh, traffic. Oh, shit. <laughs> so like we, from the very beginning, were sort of embracing of just like what we want to write about isn't the thing that's going to just automatically get people to come to the site. We're really going to have to produce great content that convinces enthusiasts and people who care to like come to the site, read and sort of be sticky, you know? So that's, and I think that's always carried through the website, even now that we're producing a lot more content. It's always about producing content that we think gives people a reason to come back, not just the content, not just the product itself or whatever the case may be. Right, right. No, exactly. I mean, that makes perfect sense. I, I it's Especially with, you know, like, I don't know, the, the whole quality over quantity, yeah. like yeah, right. method. I mean, yeah. But I think that the other thing that happened too, when, you know, because Warner One for me, it was like, oh, I can go here and I can learn about watches that I can afford versus things that were just pipe dreams. Um, and even then, I think like how some of this stuff was written on like other magazines or whatever, it, it felt like that person didn't really totally know, or it was just they went on a press trip or something like that. And then you guys launch Wind Up. And I feel like that's where, at least for a lot of other folks, including myself, it was really a rocket ship for mm. that. So like, how how does that relationship work? Because you have a store, you have Wind Up, you have Worn and Wound. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sure. Sorry, sorry. I'm just curious how that works. No, do you want me to take a stab at this one, Zach? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, internally, how it works is things are pretty separated. Like, mm-hmm. certainly the shop and the event team, I think, are more closely related to one another than editorial. But editorial very much sort of functions on its own. But, um, you know, as we were talking about, we kind of were recapping with the team recently about Wind Up New York, which, you know, recently ended and mm-hmm. was, you know, by far the biggest wind up we've ever thrown. And, you know, we've always felt like we're the biggest consumer watch event in America. And that one really felt like it. Like, it felt like this, you know, big event. And I think for I us... I think you are the, the biggest consumer watch event in America, at least. Yeah. Yeah, first, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to to say that at this point, you know. But you know, what, you know, what I was saying to the folks here, like, wind up from the beginning was always more than just like this event that sort of makes money by you know selling booths to brands. It was about sort of being this sort of physical manifestation of our community and of everything that we kind of stand for, and sort of you know, like I was saying before about our content or the things we wanted to write about not really being sort of the super mainstream. You know, when you have a physical event that's really popular like that, it kind of forces the people who might not be giving you the credit or sort of paying attention to you sort of forces them to pay attention. And I think that's what Windup has been a big piece of it for us um, from the beginning. So that's not like really answering the question of how it necessarily works all three. But I think for us, you know, the blog does such a good job of bringing so many people to the community. I mean, it is the sort of heart of the community. But, you know, I think Windup the fair is sort of that physical kind of you can't avoid it manifestation. I know, Zach, if that resonates with you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's it's such a it's such an interesting event and experience for us because it's like, yeah, I mean, it brings, it, it puts a face to the community in a, in a very literal and real way that you can, mm-hmm. it's very easy to sort of forget about uh, who it is that's reading the site, who it is that we're, you know, we're creating all this content for and what it means to them. Um, because like, yeah, you get comments here and there, but they're usually just about the watch, you know, it's people just engaging. And it's not like, it's not really about the, the organization, you know, but we go to wind up watch fair and people, they, they, they want to let us know how important it is to them about like, what the, 
the event means to them and what Warner Wild means to them and the podcast and all the things we do, what it means to them in their lives and how, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's become an important part of their lives and watches, you know, silly. It's, it is a community. Like if you get it far enough into the hobby that you are reading a, a dedicated website to it, like it means more to you than just uh, another product. Like, you know, for me, my cell phone means nothing to me other than a way to play games and communicate to other people. I, but I'm sure to a lot of people, there's a community there and that's, they, they, you know, that's the separation. It's that you don't have to right. get into everything. But if you've gotten this far, you're really into it and it's important. And um, yeah, it's just like, meeting people and talking to them about watches and seeing just how I, I don't know it's it's sort of I feel like I'm gushing now but it's just sort of like it, it really makes it it makes it real for us too because it's like a lot of times we look at graphs and numbers and we see it go up we see it go down we see uh, what what article did well what article didn't do well which which brands are you know it's all this stuff but it's like it doesn't matter the community's really there and they really enjoy what we're doing and it's really meaningful to them and like it just the event puts that into focus and and this event to, to Blake's point was like <laughs> It just had the fit and finish I think we've always dreamed about for wind up that just took years to kind of get to and build up to and build our team um, mm-hmm. up enough to kind of get there to where like now this this felt like an event that yeah the, if the watch industry isn't noticing it it's because they're choosing not to you know um, and a brand that isn't necessarily participating or doesn't want to is is you know I think needs to evaluate then what kind of community they're trying to access and what they're really their goals are in 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 you know community outreach because I would go to so far as to say the future of watch collecting is is in the room at wind up watch fair it's you know at least for the u.s you know and if we can get out sometime but no promises yeah well i mean i think that the other thing too where it's like for a lot of people they're hesitant to get into watches because one they feel not worthy enough to like go to a to go to an ad mm-hmm. right i mean i think that there's a mindset of like oh i'm not welcome here or maybe i shouldn't be allowed at this place or i can't afford these things or uh and they're not going to have anything i want anyway and so there's a there ends up becoming this big gap between the big watch companies that you know are just gonna kind of always be there like the Rolexes and stuff but then you have all these other smaller companies or that people call them micro brands now I don't even know if that's PC I don't know whatever but a, <laughs> a smaller newer brand um, where they're gonna do really well but they only exist online because they don't have the capital to be in the traditional authorized dealer sort of landscape and so there's this serious hole within the market of folks who want to have a deep relationship with the brands that they patronize they want to actually physically see something they want to be in a welcoming environment and around other people who are just if anything going to kind of gas them up more to get whatever they're going to get right Mm -hmm. and so it it's kind of surprising that none of this stuff existed for as long as we've been you know you know there there were watch meetups there's like that Mm -hmm. vegas jeweler show but that's kind of toxic i went there once it was nuts it was just people hawking stuff out of ziploc bags mm-hmm. you know like it was but th- this just didn't really exist at all and now people are going and they're like checking out like manta and they're checking out um you know brands that are not gargantuan but make really good product and you can get it and you can touch it and you can feel it and you can actually see if it does make sense for you totally 100%. yeah i think i think you know to your point about it not existing i think it's honestly something that we thought about and and talk about too i think that you know the whole the whole idea of doing it came from us sort of going to events like pop-up flea and american field and just oh shit yeah pop-up flea yeah, yeah. like you know yeah don't forget pop-up flea there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like we attended as vendors and also as patrons and like literally the, you know the decision to do wind up came in a cab ride home from pop-up flea and we were just like this has to happen for watches because we would go you know they would always do it in manhattan and we would go yeah and we'd usually be like the only watch thing there and at the time all we were really 
primarily selling was accessories. And like we would, you know, we would be one of the busiest booths there and we would sell stuff all weekend long to people with, you know, Speedmasters and subs and, you know, and also more affordable watches. And it was just like, there's an, there, and they wanted to talk about watches. They didn't just want to get a strap. They wanted to talk watches. And it was like, there's a community of people here. They just don't get to go to an event like this. It was actually, and, and not to gloat, but there'd, there'd be times when we'd go to that event, especially the later years when it was at like some, there's some it, kind of strange venues it was at. And like the, the some of the other vendors did not have a good time and they'd be kind of, you could tell they weren't selling and they were kind of pissed off. And we'd be, you know, happy as clams or whatever the expression yeah. <laughs> is. And we'd be selling, we had people coming out and it was like, we had a totally different experience than the rest of them. And it was because we had a community and we, yeah. And like, you know, watches, people love watches. Sorry, that was, yeah. that was it. <laughs> yeah. No, it just, I mean, it it's, a, yeah. yeah, it's true. And I totally forgot about the Papa Fleet because that was, that was Randy Goldberg, Michael Williams, yeah. Randy Goldberg now of Bombas, yeah. Michael Williams of ACL. And yeah, that, I mean, cause that, that was the thing for menswear of all these smaller brands that people, you know, people had read some editorial about Quaddy Maka right or like how cool they were but people were like well i don't really know how they fit are they really going to feel like that is it so there was just i mean i think the concept of pop-ups in general were still very very new versus now it feels like any new dtc brand will do a pop-up in new york with like a pink wall and Mm -hmm. you know an instagram selfie mirror and like that's that's a thing but with watches the i think the the thing to i want to discuss too it's like the amount of time it takes for most people to buy a watch like it's a very long purchase Mm -hmm. period Mm -hmm. and especially people that are buying watches, serial researching, you know, watching reviews, going on YouTube, watching multiple reviews for the same watch from like different people mm-hmm. where like at the end of the day, all it does is fucking tell you what time it is. <laughs> like, but like people really getting nitty gritty, measuring things to, like to the microns and all that. And it just didn't exist to just go and find these things in person. I mean, it, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, it's kind of like a duh moment. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm like processing this at the same time. No, I think that, you know, yeah, I think that part of what works about it and part of what I think we're kind of, I think, reaping the benefit of a little bit as a business as now that we're, you know, 11, whatever years into it is that to build the community, I think to make something like that viable took a really mm-hmm. long time of not making money and working really hard and like, <laughs> you know, frankly, eating shit. So like, you know, not to... How many years were you doing it before you, for this last one? Um, Five? Doing wind up, like how long how would we be doing it? Yeah, sorry. So like seven years, but there was a couple pandemic years in there. Um, right, right, right. So, okay. you know, yeah, the event had been building for you know, about five, six practical years. Um, but even before that, you know, just building worn and wound and the community through the website like that, you know, that is the primary driver of kind of getting people out to the event. Um, yeah. But, you know, and certainly over the last 10 years, you know, Zach can talk about this too, like the sort of, as you call it, micro brand, small independent watch community has grown so much and has become so much more sophisticated. Um, yeah. It's a totally it's different ball game now. Well, I mean, I think that's also thanks to like Warner Wound too, of having it being a platform where that stuff really flourishes and can exist. Yeah. Here, okay, here's the thing, which is funny. You guys must have like seen my notes. People talk about the metaverse, like it's this new thing where we're all going to go and hang out. And what I think it really is, is it's not us putting on VR headsets and like going to comedy clubs or even playing video games together. I think it's just people embracing communities and that being a norm, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like if you, do you guys remember like the Elks Club or like, or have you ever heard of them? Well, like you like, like drive by them in towns, like yeah. the old, like a Elks yeah. Lodge. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I went to, a um like charity event for uh, uh my cousin's um or my brother-in-law's nephew 
of for whatever. And I was like, it was at an Elks Lodge. And I was like, oh, and it's like, I forgot before the internet, people would just go and meet up and hang out and play games and do these things. And now it's kind of happened, but we're all kind of masked behind the internet. And then you have these other people on another you know world saying like, oh, we're going to do this metaverse where it's going to be digital, digital. And it's like, I think, isn't the metaverse now just like people that are fans of stuff and that publicly go and engage in it? Like, isn't mm-hmm. the metaverse just people that go to wind up or people that like go to blamo events and like take pictures of their shoes? Like, is, is that the metaverse? Yeah. Well, I, 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 it's funny. I think Zach and I are kind of like metaverse haters. We're both like, uh oh, you know, we're like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think we're very skeptical of it. But like hearing you talk about it just now, I think the parallel to me is, you know, people have come to worn and wound events, like private events, or to wind up and said, like, oh, I never felt comfortable going to a watch event, but this feels really comfortable to me. Or like, I got into watches to the website and now I feel comfortable doing it. And one really cool thing I could see about the metaverse is like when stripped of all of the preconceived notions of who you are what you look like yes. how much money you have it's like oh i can go to a, i can go to this thing because no one really knows what i look like and i can just be accepted for who i am and you know engage in this thing so like if you don't I have your see. nft whatever entry yeah, passcode true. so they they well, figured that I out think, like before they had the metaverse working they figured out how to make it exclusive yeah Isn't that good? <laughs> that's um, actually okay that's a very good point yeah okay i just like I, i'm not opposed <laughs> to any of it but until we're at like ready player one ghost in the shell level full immersion just don't that bother won't. me happen well then i'm sorry but but the thing is i think what people really want is happening and i think it's it's a place where you can go that's separate from your normal day-to-day and you can go and you can be yourself i mean this is the same equivalent you could argue is a bar or a british (laughs) an old school british club or any of these things it's i think it's just all of a sudden putting the label on it like air quote like a metaverse it's like no like people that love watches that maybe have a lot of money maybe don't have money it doesn't matter what they have or what they wear or how they look they're just here to learn and get excited. Um, I mean, Red Bar was kind of like that. I mean, I've only been to one Red Bar event and I've been, you know, I don't, so I don't know anything that may or may not be happening. So like, mm. whatever, but like, it feels like that's kind of where we've graduated to on these, especially as adults. Like that's the big thing is saying as an adult. It's really just, I mean, I think it just highlights what a sad state of the world, like it's internet technologies have kind of brought us to, which is, you know, that I mean, <laughs> like it used to, it's so hard. The conversation with my girlfriend all the time. Like, it's so hard to make new friends these days because you're just isolated, and it is it is weird. Or like the fact that we're talking about this basic concept of like a social group, which at some point was very normal. Like you would have, yeah, your your various, yeah, your groups, whatever they were. Like they just, but they existed and they were formalized and they were out there. Or it was weird to go hang out in a bar. Like that seems like like to say like, oh, I go hang out in my local bar every night. People would be like, oh, that sounds strange, Zach. You know, it's like, but yeah, you, or you maybe you have a problem sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it's like you know, maybe you're going there for a trip and to meet people you know um i don't do that i'm not that social i mean <laughs> social because of the internet but, you know I, I so i, I was just thinking like uh jeremy i don't know if you want to admit to this but we, uh, you and i've been known to play a certain video game <laughs> at the same time i will totally admit to okay, it I, I, I play video games i'm 37 years old and i clock a good two to three hours of video games late at night that's how yeah. i unwind well so i go i yeah. play this game and with the funniest thing with this game it's destiny 2 it's destiny that 2 it's, it's yeah. open world and it's it's social in, in a way you can see the other people around you from wherever they are in the world do you play missions with them like it is almost impossible to communicate 
to them. So you're just mute figures running around, bumping into each other, shooting stuff, killing them, doing this thing you have in common, and yet you're never, you're incapable of actually meeting them. It's it's disturbing. Anyway, I think we should get back to more social groups, and we should make friends. And I would be down to, I would be, yeah, I mean, yeah, Red Bar's a great example. Blake and I both went to Red Bar, started going to Red Bar many years ago, nine years ago. It was like early days of Born and Wound. Red Bar was quite small still at the time. It was very much like a tight-knit group of New York collectors, um, kind of before it went into its, you know, through social media branching out into a, what do we call it, like the satellites that it has all around the world now. Um, Yeah. And I've made good friends back then that are still friends to this day. And we, because you met over common interests and then you found out you had other common interests and, you know, it's what making friends is, is, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) it's crazy. But I think, I don't know if you noticed this, but every single thing that we've tried to explain in this conversation, (laughs) we've also tried to explain a reason for the explanation Mm -hmm. like well but but here's but let me put an asterisk on this and let me explain why i'm saying it this way or Mm -hmm. whether i'm you know because i feel like just liking something and having that end and not justifying why you like something or why you want to do something is kind of where we've also graduated to in the state of the internet world where if you say you like watches you're giving five or ten different reasons why so someone else so you can justify that reason to someone else if you say you're playing video games you're saying well but we really do these these things versus yes, I, I play video games tonight or yes, like, you, you know what I mean? Like that's this entire conversation has <laughs> consisted of, of that <laughs> of yeah. just being like, well, but also, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, I feel like, you know, we, again, like, you know, here at the company, like we talk about kind of community and how we want to kind of foster community and how we want to connect people. And obviously, you know, the event is a big piece and, you know, we're on social media and all that kind of stuff, but like, it all feels incredibly siloed. And we have thought about like, oh, should we like build a community of people, like build an app or whatever. And it's just not something we've wanted to do, you know, partially because it's just another silo of people that like are separated from everybody else. And in my mind, it just that it comes back to like, I think the idea idea of a social network is really appealing. It's just in practice, it, it never is something that I personally want to participate in. But just sort of that free flowing of like, this is who I am. This is what I'm interested in. Take it or leave it. You know, if you're also interested in Destiny 2, like let's chat and sort of like connect. Same thing with watches, <laughs> whereas like in practicality, it's like on Instagram, there's actually just like a very you know, sort of gatekeeped community of watch people that are going to jump down your throat if you say the wrong thing. So it's like, you know, I don't, I don't know how you get around that. I don't know. Well, and it's we're, you know, uh, W. David Marks, wrote this book status and culture uh recently and he explains a lot about how us as humans have looked at and appreciate status culture you know blah blah blah, and like what that means and how we've gotten through social hierarchies and what was cool and what how we chase these and how these trends evolved and it does feel like i mean i'm not going to like spoil the book or anything but we're also at this part where people ascend status now through takedowns of other status norms Mm -hmm. right like that's not everyone but the watch world all of a sudden some Someone gets all of this respect because they just wrote a takedown of Panerai or they just wrote. And here's the thing. They, maybe they're totally justified and the stuff that they have is true and way to go that they just found out some whatever. But at the same time, we've kind of evolved to this level of, you know, status where you ascend that by showing how you're actually above it. Well, you know what? I don't really collect Rolex. You know what I do collect <laughs> is Frankenweilers. What are those? Oh, well, you've never heard of it. Uh, uh, you know, sorry, you, you probably don't know. You, you've never heard of these watches. You know, like, so like freshman year in college, indie music conversation. Yes. Oh man, yeah, back like, 
oh, I'm, like I'm into that people would share. Ugh, yeah, <laughs> I'm into this noise noise bop, which only one syllable is is understandable, but we're all kind of in this, you know. And I feel like that's there's still a lot of communities have that as a part of their backbone. I mean, and I don't know. And I think it's like, how do you have communities? How do you let the communities grow, but also be mindful of the bad vibes, for lack of better term. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, it's hard. I feel like any community that centers around collecting or obtaining things, whether it's cars or watches or records or whatever the case may be, like at the end of the day, it feels like it's going to boil down to exclusivity, rarity, sort of how hard was it to find that thing? Who has that one specific make and model of that car? Like that, you know, status and I think scarcity are always going to be connected, I feel like, and in these sort of niche communities. And I think with watches, especially with the vintage watch craze, like it just got accelerated so fast because it was just like well did you get your your tutor snowflake before they became unobtainable like how, <laughs> how sick is that you know and it's like well you were just the guy that was there in the room at the point at that point you know what i mean like there's nothing yeah. really special about you and the other the, you know the other thing that i think is so funny is like about the status thing is you know from back in the day going to watch meetups and stuff like that of all types i always have thought it was hysterical how all these people who are so obsessed with status and oftentimes have tremendous means and have achieved amazing things in their personal lives to get them incredible Mm -hmm. wealth at the end of the day all want to have the same thing they all want to sit in a room be like i have my sub and i have my speedmaster and i have my this and my that and it's like originality is not the status symbol like (laughs) That's for sure. Oh, right. <laughs> collecting the thing. Yeah, I mean, I I need these Rolexes. I need the Nautilus. Mm. I need the Daytona. I need because it, it always, also. I was just saying, it always ahead. drove us all up the wall when somebody when you'd read or see somebody say somewhere like like every collector needs to have a meter's first sub or something. It's like, <laughs> you don't. <laughs> period <laughs> and <of> mm-hmm. story. <laughs> and it's and like it it's always so much more impressive to meet somebody who's like super into watch collecting and then you see what's on their wrist and it's totally left field it's not it's not the thing that they're that you're sort of expecting them to have at least personally that's how i feel like if somebody has like a truly unique collection or you know like if you like if you ever go to like um like sometimes you know not to put him on blast but like bill yao from mark ii he'll do these like meetups with his collectors and like the guys there will have like cases and cases of this very specific reference of this military watch and it's like now there's somebody who just like is really on their own wavelength <laughs> you know what i mean like that's a watch collector <laughs> right who's like really into something unique and and into it because that's what they're into and like you know sometimes you go to these meetups and it's just like i'm not impressed that you have the same fifty thousand dollar watch that the guy next to you has <laughs> I don't know. But like, that's the thing too, is where then it becomes, well, I got to have these things that no one know about. And then the people that have the watches that are more expensive. So it's like, it's a lose, lose situation. And it's it's like, maybe if we just stop judging anyone Mm -hmm. on what they have and just being okay with whatever they do or don't have. And the fact that we're there is enough. Mm -hmm. Like, that's it. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think in an ideal world, that is like, like you you asked if we had like values at Worn and Wound early on. That's that's high on the list these days. It's like, it's a come as you are be into what you're into status because of what you own is just not a concept that we buy into you know um and i'd much rather talk to somebody who's just like fascinated by something because that's what fascinates them rather than because it's what the community told them they're supposed to like yeah i mean i'm i'm really glad we've kind of like gone there because i feel like in most cases especially with watches or any object or anything that people are a fan of the reason why someone likes something for me is more interesting than what they like Mm -hmm. you know and and how they want to you know even when it's you're just trying to be different, like that's fine. Like, sure, there's some other onion we can, you know, we can peel 
you know, here, but like, I, I think that's, that's actually what gives me the joy to like continue. And that is I'm going to learn something I'm going to, I'm going to get excited about, you know, and I can exist, you know, in whatever world I have to be, I have to be this person. I have to be, you know, John, the banker or the guy who works here or whatever. But in this other place, hear me out here, metaverse, <laughs> I can just be a watch fan mm-hmm. and I can like these watches and I can get into them. And you know, that can be a thing. Cause otherwise if it was in the 1950s, it would be someone who's like working on a car in their garage. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. This conversation just makes me think a lot about um uh this guy on our team patrick he's our videographer and he just like yeah. he he just is one of, he's one of those people i feel like very much marches to the beat of his own drum and it's very much true with his watch collecting he's been on the podcast a bunch of times recently and i feel like people have really started to get a taste for the fact that he just kind of is into what he's into because it's what he likes and i think his new kick zach correct me if i'm wrong is that he's really focused on like he wants to have an all courts collection like an yeah. all high accuracy courts collection which yeah. is just like oh, how many people do awesome. you meet at a, at a at a random meetup who are who are that's their perspective you know um but yeah is he just gonna have grand seikos then i mean I'm not trying to make fun some. of it, like because I, I, I'm some. trying to think what other high end courts. There's a handful of HAQ out there. There's not a lot, but I actually uh, there was a really cool one that came up from this brand. Um, uh, this company, Time Factors in England, made a watch under their sub brand Precista, I believe it is, and they made this okay. really cool chronograph that uses this ETA. This is getting real nerdy, real fast. This ETA chronograph this is courts the movement that has a central minute counter like some of the old chronographs like Lamani 5100, which just nobody uses. Like, I don't know if brands just don't have the imagination to use it or they don't think people understand it, but it's an awesome movement and people should use it. Anyway, they used it and they used an HAQ version. It's like accurate with two within 10 seconds a year. And him and I were going back and forth uh, and talking. I was just like, you have seen this, right? And he's like, no, what are you talking about? And I sent it to him and he had it, by he bought it by the end of the day. He just like <laughs> was so obsessed with it. He was sending me all, he found it on eBay, he found it here. He like, because then he got obsessed with, 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 with the right bezel and it just became a whole thing but he has it and it's cool very cool yeah I mean, having, to be honest, I would love to just have high accuracy quartz watches because then like I have a drawer over here filled with, you know, whatever watches and the amount of time it takes for me to get it on, set it up. Then I, because I'm an idiot, I go and I make sure it's synced up correctly, Mm -hmm. you know, so I I, I want it to be as accurate as I can from when I put it on, you know, and I'll I'll even be the guy who like goes and gets his date correct, you know, all that stuff. But it's like, if you have a... Wait, that's a weird thing uh, to have your date correct? Well, I mean, they're... There used to be a joke where it's like, watch, like you know, you're around a watch collector because none of their dates are correct on their watches because they're just switching it up all the time. Um, but not to be a, you know, an elitist, but those those sound like fools. You always have to set your date. Jeez, that's, yeah, a, that's like a layer of disor- level of disorganization. I don't think I can handle. That. <laughs> you know yeah i mean uh but like if you have quartz watches you you put them away and then you get your other one and you put and it's always the right time yeah i don't have it's it's like i wear currently but i have like a really nice uh, sin i got recently there's an easy m2 which is like this vintage sin diver that's filled with oil so it can like dive to like five thousand meters something crazy like that so it feels like this just like there's nothing inexpensive feeling about this watch it is solid as a rock and it's yeah it's i don't think it's high accuracy quartz because of when it was made is in the 90s but it keeps good time and it's like it's nice that i can just grab it and throw it on it really is don't have to think about it at all meanwhile i'm also so, wearing an apple watch which tells well, the I was time say, but yeah, whatever I, screw that 
I have an Apple Watch on a wrist and then I'll wear another watch on another wrist when I'm, you know, at home or doing stuff. Uh, Especially because I'm like anyone else. I'm like into the data and the convenience and I'll go on my walks or I'll do whatever I'm doing at the gym in the morning. And it's like, you know, it's kind of nice to have that on there. And I also think it's fine to own it. Like, fuck it. I don't need to explain why I like this watch. There it is. I got it. If you're wearing two watches, wear two watches. When I can Um, afford like a Christian Vanderclaw or something that can tell me the weather for the next week as well as the moon phase and all this other stuff maybe i'll switch but until then like i love all the data that's on here like you're saying it's really like i my watch is a little station it's neat my apple watch yeah i hate i hate that i like it so much i really don't it's, well i mean the, the, I coming to terms. yeah the biggest thing is like you're stuck yeah I can that's, that's my only gripe with it is yeah like yeah. once you get it and you do get into all the data and it's at your fingertips and you can then mess around with that data and like i was like oh i want to see how my i'm sleeping what are my sleep cycles like what the i i have a four month old they're not good yeah i don't need to know anything else but i like in my head i'm like i want to find out like should i go to bed at 11 37 today instead of 1202 because i'm going to get more rem stuff i mean that's just me being a nerd but like yeah <laughs> well thank goodness that like the like the case protection thing has not made its way to watches i mean it's kind of funny that like we all it has with apple watches oh do you put like you mean like on surrounding things yeah yeah i've seen people that have these like g-shock ask cases around their oh, apple watch okay. so there is a brand um, that has made those for uh rolex gmts at the very least i've occasionally seen this on instagram but i don't remember what they're called honestly Wait, it, i think a it was kind of for your watch yeah it's like the like yeah like the kind of rubbery seal thing that would mm-hmm. go over the whole watch protect it well I mean, like, naturally the watch community thinks that's ridiculous and absurd yeah. yeah oh my god i just looked this up well maybe this is like a business idea but like do you know the, <laughs> the skin the phone skin brand d brand like they're like the big phone skin brand that everybody advertises online you know they just they've got a factory somewhere with a laser printer and they just print these like perfectly sized panels yeah, yeah, yeah. for your phone if someone came to me and said hey i can give you a camo carbon fiber perfectly cut skin to put on your gmt i'm there like so you're saying that, really watch wraps watch wraps watch like wraps. literally like a little like a little thing you kind of like heat shrink it on yeah that would take be off sick. the dial because you just could take it off but if you could walk around with your pepsi for a week with like uh yeah like just some like crazy like tie-dye wrap wouldn't you why not <laughs> wouldn't you <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I think maybe for some watches. Yeah. But isn't that isn't that what changing the strap is? For? Take it to another level. I mean, isn't isn't that the no, skins? This is completely you... destroys the appearance of it. Obliterates yeah. any recognizability or anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but see now I'm now I'm gonna admit my vanity. And sometimes it's like, yeah, but I want I want someone to know that I mean this is the this starts our whole conversation again. I want someone to think that I'm a good person or I'm successful. And so I'll wear that watch so that I think that they think that. Which I recognize is fucked up whatever but that's no. you know i also make a podcast i mean what do you what else do you want me to do um i don't know if if, if no one knows it's a it's a speedmaster. is it a speed mask I, I think there's only one way to find out like one of <laughs> one of us needs to buy like one of those like little cricket printers that can like die cut stickers and we'll just we'll just try it out or you can just have multiple freaking swatch oh, you speedies got, you got the moon swatches there mm-hmm. i have I have four of them now. Really? Really? Oh, you're you're yeah. a Moonswatch collector. Look at that. <laughs> but I don't I don't mean to be. It's I I got the opportunity to get it and I got one. Yeah. And then I got the opportunity and then I had a bunch of friends who were like, "Oh, can you get me one?" And so then I went and at one time the Swatch guy was like, "Yeah, he's like, "How many do you want?" And I was like, "Uh, I I'll just take one more." So I got another one, give it to a friend. And then another friend hooks me up and I'm able to get more and I get them and then I go to the friends who wanted them. I'm like, "Hey guys, you you wanted a Moonswatch. <laughs> you you still really want it?" And they're like, "Uh, no." <laughs> 
And so I have them. And so I was like, whatever, I'm just going to put them on my desk. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I don't really, it's a fun watch to wear, but uh, they're both wildly inaccurate. Really? And um, yeah. I will say this, I have four, not a single one on my desk has the hands correctly aligned. Wow. No, I feel like I was really lucky. The, the one I got, it keeps very good time. I, I haven't had any of the issues that I've heard from other people, but you have four and yeah, four I mean, out I'm, of four is, or they're off. That's, that's pretty rough. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, I don't know if you, how well you can see it on the, on the thing here, but like, it's, it's not whatever. It's this wild. is pointless me trying to show it on the webcam, but it's like, yeah, the um, if you look at it straight on, the second hand is just a little bit to the right of like not enough that you can use the adjustment because there's like a way to adjust them, but it's probably a whole second. It's not like a micro. Correct. Yeah. No. And then also like that the timer of the Speedmaster, like the second timer, like is that should just be correct straight up at twelve o'clock. Is it like twelve and three quarters? Yeah, that would drive me crazy. But it's yeah. Well, that's why I don't really yeah. wear it. <laughs> well, it's funny. <laughs> it's fun, it sits it's funny with the Moon's Watch because like we had a couple in the office. You and Bettner both got one. Or two, I don't know which ones you guys have, but like we I mean, only got one each. Yeah, I, I like I wanted one really badly when they launched, and it's just like, do you want one? I I have, <laughs> I I will send you one. I will send yeah, you one. Yeah, sure, hundred percent dead on the mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. like, and I called around all the swatch stores in the city a few weeks ago, and they were still just basically telling you to buzz off. So like, um, no, because on like on, it's funny because the the day it sort of launched, Zach and I, you know, we were all kind of talking about it in the office, and like, you know, so we went through. <laughs> this is a bit of a backstory, but like about a year ago, we went through a bit of a branding exercise with the company, and one of the things that kind of came mm-hmm. out of it was a tagline called "Experience Enthusiasm," sort of an unofficial tagline for Warren and Wound, because we feel like that's really what we're about. It's not about collecting high priced items two e's or two x's <laughs> two, two. Oh no they like spelled correctly we're not yeah oh yeah totally okay. good, <laughs> good, yeah, yeah. good good yeah. i appreciate that experience fair question yeah <laughs> to and, the extreme yeah. we yeah. had to go yeah. there and uh and like when those things came out it was kind of like the perfect example of that which was like it's not about these things being hard to get anymore because of the price tag it's about having fun with it and letting everyone experience yeah. the speedmaster enthusiasm and then no one could get them <laughs> <laughs> it like ruined the whole premise. And it was just like, what a bummer. Cause like everyone should be able to experience that, you know, like it is like as a Speedmaster owner and like they, it is, it is one of those silhouettes that is just perfect. Like, you know, it's just sort of hard to explain, or at least I, I can't really explain it super well, but like, it's just such a bummer that that project had so much potential to kind of get a really iconic watch on everyone's wrist. And it just totally fluttered. They'll, they'll put it online in a year or two. Yeah. I feel like I they, they totally will. It's just right now. Like, would you rather, I mean, if you're some sort of company, company and you're maybe not doing as good as you were you want to have a hype train that's just chugging along for sure um yeah it's yeah i mean but that's that's watches the fact that watches and marketing are so intertwined i think is what turns a lot of people off of watches in general but um anyway we're we're starting we're starting to wrap up because i know you guys got a lot of shit you got to do um but before we do these are questions that sound kind of dumb but are i'm serious do you do you think it's easy for people to get into watches now and like if if you do what are the things you think that people should think about when they're starting to get into watches (laughs) i feel like that's an article i could write quite a bit about that but yeah do i think it's easy to get into i i do i think it's easier now than it was because there is um easier access access to quality media and information about watches and you know not to pat ourselves mm-hmm. on the back but i think we you know we we're part of that and so several other so many other larger media sites but other you know forums and things like that like it's it's all out there reddit too you know um so it's not like impossible to discover interesting things or learn about something that's maybe you know common and been around for a long time um 
what was the what was the second part like what to look for or like no or? yeah like like what are the things that you should be paying attention to if you're going to get into watches or that you wish people would do more when they start to do it gosh i mean that's that's difficult a little bit just because i feel like it depends so much on like you know how you're entering what you're um how much you're willing to looking to spend initially because there's different like quality and and different concerns that might come up at different price points you know and once sure. again like the idea of value also is sort of in the eye of the beholder like if you want to if you're really looking to maximize value at like five thousand dollars you could pick one brand over another um you know i in the end of the day like i think what really matters most is that you really really want it you know like if if you really love the watch the way it looks it resonates with you it's something that really gets you excited uh wearing it will also be really enjoyable or maybe it will be less enjoyable than you thought it would and you'll learn why and then you know you're kind of in the cycle at that point and you'll start thinking about what's next and what follows and you know it's it, it kind of goes from there so like what i wouldn't do is buy a watch just because someone told you to or like if, if I wouldn't say go buy a Seiko 5 right now, but maybe you should. It's a great watch to start with, but only if you really like it. Only if you really like it. If it calls out to you, get right. it. If it doesn't, move on. Don't buy it just because I said so, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's very true. Yeah, I mean, I always tell people just don't settle. Like my mm-hmm. older brother really wanted to get like the SPB. And so he got all these other watches that were way less expensive mm-hmm. and was annoyed that he got them. And then by the time he had enough money to get the SPB, which was, I think it was like a thousand dollars, that that Seiko, that, the diver tribute, yep. um, he had spent basically close to $2,000 on five or six watches that he didn't really wear or want. Mm-hmm. When the truth is he could have just spent a thousand. It just took longer. I think that's, it's like the fact that we're all kind of somewhat brainwashed by Amazon and getting it next day or whatever. You just kind of like, I found this, I'm excited. I researched it. I want mm-hmm. it. And if you can't get it yet, people are like, well, I'll just get this and that'll, that'll suffice. And it just does not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely a good suggestion. And, and like something I think about, like so my girlfriend and I had a rule when we were looking for apartments last time, which is like a single red flag was enough to just say no to the oh. whole thing. Because like we ignored red flags at a place and there were several and we got screwed. We had a miserable year <laughs> in the hellhole. And then it was just like one thing. <laughs> we don't like one thing. We don't like the way the garbage is sits out front. We don't like the way the door lock. Like out. Just out. Just leave. Whoa. Granted, the market was different then. <laughs> there were more options. But like, but I feel like you could you could apply that to everything, you know? know if something doesn't feel right walk away there's more you know yeah yeah i think i would also just you know see that sort of both questions you know is it easier to get into watches than it once was i think you know when we started born and wound if someone was like hey i want to get into watches what do i do well okay so make an account on watch you seek and do your best to navigate <laughs> that platform and you know Ouch. you know read hodinky <laughs> which is a you know still a great publication but maybe those price points aren't quite where you are um, you know, read mm-hmm. us, whatever the case may be, but you really kind of have to be a nerd and be able to navigate things. Now it's like make an account on watch crunch. And that's like a really friendly community of people all about watches and follow these people. on. Instagram. I don't even know what watch crunch is. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny, you know, um, they're uh it's it's a watch social media network basically um the social media platform and um they're really cultivating a great community of people it's um it's it's knowledgeable but friendly and easy to use so you know i'm not trying to sell it but um but you know they're it's just it's a good place that like we've all kind of jumped onto individually and seem to be enjoying and you know full disclosure warner around is doing some work with them but like it's just it's a great you know network of people um but that kind of thing like definitely never existed before um you know yeah so it's just like there's so many easier ways to just jump into the community now Mm -hmm. and just see stuff and like not get wedded to this one thing or really be able to compare and contrast or ask questions or whatever the case may be like it's a lot easier to make probably also like a local meetup near you 
kind of a mm-hmm. thing at this point, you know. Um, I feel like they've spawned up in every city, and if you can if you can go look at watches firsthand, I mean, nothing beats it. So mm-hmm. for sure, yeah, because I think it's harder to get into watches now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think you guys are wrong. It's well, yeah, there's just so many options, yeah. and I think you know my mindset. I'm always like, oh, I want to make the right decision. I want to make the right decision, but it's like it's there's just decision like fatigue. There's so, there there are so many. Like I mean, watch crunch sounds amazing. I've never heard of that. Now I'm like, oh, do I need to be on that? Do I need to set a bunch of time to that? And then do I need to know all these other things, you know? And so I think it's just, um, instead of it used to just be like one or two places where you could go and like, that was it. There's really nowhere else. Now it's like, yeah, for sure. You know, you got people, all sorts of swatches and Ebays and whatnots and yeah, I guess marketplaces. And I totally understand that because like as as well from coming from the perspective of like, I I would say I've always had some level of interest in like menswear and men's fashion, but not really the wherewithal to, to delve into it or my, my extra cash is going to watches as a thing. And now I've, I've wanted to get a little bit more into it and like, God, God help me. Just, I don't even like starting to read about it. Um, it's rough. It's rough to get into it, into it all. But that's, I could see somebody having the exact same feeling looking at the watch, at watch world. It's just like being inundated, not knowing exactly where to begin, which I guess is, is sort of the hardest thing is where do you literally start? Um, yeah. You know, and I would recommend a friendly, uh, well-worded website called Warner. You know, but like he's got a. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. yeah, he's got a yeah. Browse. Wait, what's the, what's happening with the menswear thing? Well, not very much. I mean, what happens is I, I like I end up <laughs> buying a few things, and then I'm like, Ugh, it didn't really fit me very well. And then I'm like, I'm gonna give up on this for a few months, and then and then I'm like, oh shit, I got an event I gotta go to, so now I have a reason to buy something nice. And then you know, I, don't know. I don't know. It's difficult. Do you return things? No. Like, do you buy things effort. and do you ever return? I bought them? A, I was at I was I was in Manhattan yesterday, which is that sounds like that shouldn't sound weird. It is weird. Going to Manhattan sucks. I don't go to Manhattan very often. Um, and I, so I was near the Uniqlo and I ended up buying two shirts. And I'm looking at one of the, like, you know, like button down shirts. I look at one of them today. I'm like, uh-huh. what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> I like, I maybe was the lighting in the store. Like it is ugly. It is an ugly shirt, but God, going back. To, Are you going to return it? <laughs> <laughs> maybe Sounds a little I'll bit like a new mind. problem. Yeah. Zach, I feel like yeah, I return. Yeah. I mean, if it's like ordered online, it's honestly easier to return. The in-store shopping experience for like clothing is kind of uh, you know, I I don't know. This might be controversial. It's kind of absolutely horrible. Um, I mean, maybe if you go to a very nice store like a tailor, a place you know, like some of the brands I know you're you're friendly with, like an Armory or something, where they're like it's very customer-driven and it's very specific. But big box stores, your average stores, you go in there, you're out of inventory. They didn't have the one thing you wanted to try on. Going back to it if it doesn't, if you decide later, it's like when you yeah. know it's. It's a pain in the ass. I think, well, it's also like, it's interesting. Like, wh- what do you think is expensive or too expensive for you if you're going to buy a shirt? And, and yeah. you don't need to like start listing all these numbers. But I think like in my head, I'll think I'll see a watch and I'm like, oh, it's only this. That's actually really affordable. And then I'll see clothes or something else. And, you know, like I, I think it's like I've spent so many years of my life like justifying value. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, I have. The, mm-hmm. I'm guilty of the same thing. Like I, you know, like we did an event at um, Standard and strange not long ago and they have just so many like beautiful things in that store and in my mind i just kept thinking like wow that's so much for a sweater and it's just like dude right like it's you know yes so much for a watch it just yeah. tells the time <laughs> just I like, mean, come on <laughs> yes it's a lot for a watch and it's a lot for a sweater but it's a little bit hypocritical to be like wow that 300 sweater is too much for me when like yeah. it, you know it's worth every penny that's okay you know? i've i've gotten used to spending like like at this point i buy this is i don't know, probably regret saying this in public right it's like i buy like um i've bought a lot of like jackets like oh like over like blazers field coats chore mm-hmm. coats and i've become very comfortable in the like 300 to 400 range for a nice which i 
know isn't even that much in the scheme of things, but it's like it's a starting point for I guess Spear and McKay or something. You can get a I feel like it's a very nice jacket yeah. at around three fifty or something. Um, but then like yeah, I don't know pants. I'm just like ugh, they're gonna fall apart on me. I don't know, man. Like I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna buy Gap on sale jeans, whatever you know. Um, but then. <laughs> <laughs> but you know there i know it fits there too i know it fits there too i yeah. mean like i said we, we were at standard and strange and i do want to go back to try on their denim in front of our uh our like fans of the brand me trying on de- denim didn't feel like the right time oh yeah so i have to go back and do that but um yeah i don't shop with friends no i i'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's well it's a humbling experience to try anything on when it when how you thought it's going to look in your head doesn't look that way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean and I, I already have like body image issues and stuff but it's like you know in there's i'll go and i'll i'll try on something and i'm like oh well wait i saw how it looked in this picture it does not look like that on yeah. me mm-hmm. and, and you know and it's like oh it's because your thighs are too big or that you know whatever and i'm, I'm like to the choir here, man. You know? yeah no <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like these are one of the things that zach and i like bonded over was just like self-loathing of our our, our, our appearance <laughs> and like like I, <laughs> like i'll definitely go to shopping and like by the end of it i'm just like I, I need to talk to my therapist and i'm gonna go lay in bed for a month and like this was the worst experience of my life um sometimes yeah. you just go and you buy things easily but yeah it's such a it's a tough honestly like i was thinking about this when you guys were talking earlier like it's part of what's so great about watches it's like of course certain watches look better to you than others but you're never gonna have to worry about them fitting onto your wrist just get a larger band or like add a link you know what i mean like no one's judging you you know it all fit but however i i think there is if you're like say you're into jeans there is seriously a denim brand and a denim cut for every single body type whether you think you're too big or you're too skinny or you're too whatever, you want a high rise, you want a low rise, you want a wide leg, you want a straight leg, you want a, a wide leg with a low rise and a taper, you want a wide, you know, they exist. Mm-hmm. It just is a pain in the ass because they all kind of look the same. Mm-hmm. And then you have to work and figure it out. And you might pay $300 mm-hmm. or $400 or something. Like you might pay, yeah, like a few hundred dollars for that that denim. Mm. Um, but like sugar cane, all that stuff, Resolute, Ironheart, all those things, it fits you guys easy. You're not, you're, I would say you're not as unique as you think you mm. are. In oh, yeah, your, I don't think I'm unique. Well, if you go to Uniqlo, though, you're quickly... Are, Uniqlo? I, I mean, it just the pants at Uniqlo are like a really quick way to body imaging issues. It's just like, yeah, don't, oh, you're not don't six buy four and have Uniqlo. a 28-inch waist? Like, get the fuck out of our store. That's cheap crap anyway. Like, I, I go there regularly, but I just don't buy jeans. <laughs> Don't don't buy yeah I mean it's like yeah don't don't buy jeans at Uniqlo yeah. I, if if they work for you and you already get them fine someone's gonna be like well I buy jeans mm-hmm. at Uniqlo well, fine but there was a little while where know. I did I was like my twenties I was working out a lot and I finally fit <laughs> jeans I'm like sweet <laughs> you know not anymore uh, but anyway gents thank you thank you so much for chatting um it was it was good to yeah. talk to you I'll see ya. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to Blamo. We're edited by Amarlal, our music by Breakmaster Cylinder, and we're produced by Blamo Media. If you like the show, tell a friend, give us some good vibes. You can follow us on social media at Blamo Podcast or send us an email at info at blamopod.com. And if you want all the Blamo you can handle, join us over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Blamo, where we have our exclusive shows from Blamo Presents Derek Guy to the Triple J Show with John Moy and Gian Delian and, and geez, there's Blamo Extra. There's all sorts of stuff and the amazing, incredible Slack group. All right, that's it from me. See you soon. <laughs>